Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Atlanta Man podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers. And on today's episode, um, we'll have some catching up with the Hawks and what they've been up to uh, for the past two weeks. Um, As I didn't have an episode last week, uh, but before we get into the Hawks and everything that happened, um, I just want to dedicate this episode to my grandmother. She was my nanny. She passed away last week. That was the reason for the there was no episode. So just wanted to dedicate this episode to her. She was a very big Braves fan, not a very big fan of the Falcons or the Hawks, but she loved the Braves. And um, yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to her and dedicate this one to her. So um, we'll get into the Hawks now. Um, got about five games to catch up on as uh, that's how they made they played over the past weeks. Not a ton, but Hawks kind of they had some double off days and the uh, all-star break uh, came. So not a ton of games to cover, which is uh, probably a good thing that I missed <clears throat> when I did miss an episode. They didn't play a ton, uh, but we'll start off with their game against the Pacers um, about two weeks ago now. Um, this was a pretty convincing win over Indiana, um, a game that they kind of had to win because this was a Pacers team that was very shorthanded um, because they had just kind of dealt away um, their main pieces in the trade deadline, really. Uh, they had just traded Karis LeVert a few days before this game, and the day of the game they traded Damanis Sabonis to the Kings for Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald. Um, but they did not have those returns yet, so Halliburton and Heald were not available to play. They were also without Miles Turner, who was out with injury. So no Levert, no Sabonis, no Miles Turner. Um, they didn't. They weren't able to play Halliburton or Heald, who would have easily been their best players if they were able to play. But um, yeah, the Pacers were essentially fielding a G League roster in this game, as they only had seven guys available, and I, I believe uh, a couple rookies couple guys like Lance Stevenson who were on 10-day contracts earlier in the year one with the Hawks and then went to the Pacers after and they ended up just signing him through the season but just a pretty abysmal roster from the uh, Pacers and yeah there's not really much to say about it the Hawks had to win this game and they did they blew them out uh, 133 to 112 Um, the Pacers they had a or the Hawks rather had a hot offensive start in the first three and a half minutes they had 16 points during that time and then they went on a 10-2 run after that um, to make it a 28-13 game. And they had 28 points in less than seven minutes of this game. And it was essentially over after that. Um, you really can't like say that <clears throat> games are over that early, but this one was. The Hawks led by 18 after the first quarter. Um, they added on eight points in the second to go up by 26 at the half. And then they led by 31 going into the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, this, this one Hawks never trailed. It was a wire to wire victory and yeah, just a very impressive win in a game that they had to win. This was, if they would have lost this game, it would have been um, a disaster. I believe the Hawks were around 12 point favorites coming into this one. So this one that they had to have. So moving on to the next game, which was another one that in theory, the Hawks should have won very easily. It was also a home game against the Spurs team who is not very good to begin with, but they had also traded away some pieces at the deadline, like Derek White, who was uh, one of their better players. They traded him to the Celtics. They made a couple of a couple of other trades, and um, 
they uh, didn't have all the returns from those trades yet because they were pending physical. So the Spurs were playing very shorthanded, um, not quite as shorthanded as the Pacers, and they still had their best player, uh, Dejounte Murray. So yeah, it sounded like um, they weren't as abysmal as Indiana, but Spurs, first of all, are not very good. And um, they were without some of their returning pieces from some of the trades they made. So <clears throat> it was a very bad loss that the Hawks let this one get away from them. Not even get away from them. They got kind of just ran out of their own building by the Spurs team. Uh, they lost 136 to 121. Um, just an abysmal performance defensively. Um, the offense struggled at the beginning but they did pick it up a little bit late in the game and kind of got it close they got to around 11 or 12 late in the game <clears throat> but um yeah not a very good one here one of the worst losses of the season I'd say um they trailed 43 to 29 after the first quarter um then the second unit came in to start the second and they actually got the lead the deficit down to sixth in the second and then the starters came back in and were terrible um, it was one of Trey Young's worst games of the year. He was really bad. Just everybody was pretty bad. And just to add insult to injury, John Collins hurt his heel before halftime and um, didn't come back in the second half at all, and he hasn't played since. Um, they said that he was going to be out through the All-Star break. He was. Um, the All-Star break has came and went now, but Hawks don't play a game until Thursday. But he's still out. They haven't, we haven't had any updates on his status. Um, and if Collins is out for the Hawks, that is not good at all because they really there are really only other options for power forward are DeAndre Hunter which really limits him um, on defensive matchups so it's hard to really play him at the four against teams that have really good guards on the perimeter that are their best players or Danilo Gallinari who is fine playing the four but just very limited defensively down there in the paint and I'm um, having him start and play um, more minutes down there just uh, isn't probably the best recipe for success but they they really don't have a ton of options um they could experiment a little bit maybe go with a kongu at the four and um just try to grind out the game and just play really good defense with capella and a kongu with the the twin tower setup it would be really bad spacing obviously but that is something that they could definitely think about and then you also have options like jalen johnson who is still a rookie he hasn't played a ton of any like he hasn't played really any like real non-garbage time minutes this year not a ton really um, he's an option if they wanted to throw him out there and see what he's got. He can play the power forward. Um, but, yeah, there are no, no great options on replacing Collins, and that's usually how it is when your team's second best player is uh, is out. So moving on from there, um, bad loss to the Spurs, and then a pretty tough one um, on Sunday against the Celtics. Um, Hawks actually got off to a very good start in this game defensively. Um, partly was also partly because Boston was just pretty bad on uh, offense in the first quarter. Uh, the Hawks led 28 to 17 after the first quarter. Um, but yeah, just a really bad offensive quarter by Boston. And uh, then the Hawks starting off the second quarter, got off to a slow start of their own in the second and Boston on a 14 to two run to start the quarter. Then the Hawks turn around and go on a 15 to six run of their own so Hawks end up outscoring the Celtics 25 to 14 in the second after the 14 to 2 run and they only lost the second quarter by one point so you know when you usually when you start off a quarter um losing a 14 to 2 run it's kind of difficult to only lose the quarter by a point but the Hawks managed to do that and they had a 10 point lead at halftime 
on the road against a Celtics team that was scalding hot coming into this game. Uh, they were on a seven or eight game win streak, I believe, and they ended up extending it. Uh, but anyway, so going into the half, Bogey was very, very good in this game, um, especially in the second quarter. He was probably their, maybe their best offensive player in this game. Might have been a little bit better than Trey. I'd have to go look at their numbers after this in a second, but a very, very good game from Bogey. He continues to be super, super solid, um, especially offensively for the Hawks. But um, Boston got off to another hot start in the second, or in the third quarter, rather, with a uh, 12-2 run to start the quarter. Um, and then the Celtics actually take their first lead of the game with an Al Horford three-pointer. And uh, Boston got off to a 20-6 start um, in the third. So not what you wanted at all for the Hawks. But uh, Bogey, he continued to hit shots. That kept the Hawks just afloat in the, th- in the third. It was a very bad quarter on the whole. But he really just kind of kept them from completely falling apart. Um and the Hawks lose the third quarter by 19 points, and they ended up trailing by nine going into the fourth. But things probably could have been worse, honestly, if Bogey wasn't hitting some buckets. They got outscored 42-23 to 23 in the third, and it was just a, a rough one for the Hawks. And the fourth quarter wasn't much better, unfortunately. Um, overall, it's just a, as far as game flow goes, this was a complete slog. Uh, Boston outscored the Hawks 18-17 to 17 in the fourth, so... Just a real def- or offensive struggle for both teams, but the Celtics could afford that because they had the lead, um, but the Hawks just could not afford that. Uh, Bogey continued to be solid in the fourth quarter. He kept the Hawks really in this game. Um, the Hawks trailed by as many as 13 in the fourth, but then they had a 7-0 run to cut it to six points with less than four minutes to go, prompting a Boston timeout. But then after that, the Celtics score five straight points out of the timeout to go up by 10 with two minutes to go. So, yeah, that was kind of the ball game right there. <clears throat> the Hawks had one kind of humiliating sequence at the end of the game. Um, they had two missed layups by Bogey, who gets a pass, um, but also one by DeAndre Hunter. And then they had some missed opportunities defensively as Boston was just kind of throwing the ball around there. Um, the game was probably over anyway. The Hawks were still down a good bit, but still... It was a, a very tough, tough way to end the game. Um, we'll move on to the player performances and the stats in this one because there's just really more to get into with this one than the other two games. Um, I'll start off with Bogey because I thought he was just terrific in this game. Um, he had 26 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. He was very, very solid. 9 of 20 shooting, uh, 4 of 12 from 3. Not the greatest percentages. Or uh, 9 of 20 and 3 of 10 from 3, rather. I was looking at Trey's. But uh, 3 of 10 from 3. Not the greatest percentages, but... He was just, uh, when the air time the Hawks needed a bucket in this game, he got it for them. And, um, yeah, that, he was just really kept the Hawks in this game late. Uh, Trey had 30 and 10 assists in this game, and I didn't even think it was his best game, which kind of just is a testament of how good he is when he can put up a performance like that, 30 and 10. And um, it's just one of his lesser games. Didn't shoot the ball very well, 9 of 26 from the field, um, 4 of 12 from 3, which is fine. And they made all eight of his free throws, which is a positive, obviously. Um, but other than those two guys, the offense was just very stagnant. Nothing really going on. Um, Hunter had 10, but he shot 4 of 16. Uh, Gallinari was not good in this game. Herder didn't have anything going. Uh, so, yeah, the offense, outside of occasional Trey and occasional bogey, just wasn't um, wasn't firing like they usually are. And some of that is definitely to do with the absence of John Collins. So we'll move on to the next game. Um 
after this tough loss to the Celtics and they actually were able to get a pretty impressive win on Tuesday against a very good Cavaliers team who's having a super, super solid season. Um, one of the best defensive units in the league. Uh, Darius Garland is pretty much completely broken out for them. He's been awesome. So we'll get into this game now. Uh, Collins remained out for this for, for, in this game. Um, and Laurie Markkinen for the Cavs was out for the for Cleveland. So I wouldn't say that's an eye for an eye at all. I think Collins is definitely better than Laurie. But still, both teams were uh, out without a power forward in this game. Um, but the Hawks had a very, very good start offensively in this game, especially Trey, who had 11. But uh, Garland scores 10 of the 15 for the Cavs to keep it 20-15 to 15 at the first time out. So Trey with 11 of the Hawks' first 20 points and Darius Garland with 10 of the Cavs' fifth, first 15 points. So they were just kind of going back and forth the whole game, really, but especially in this first quarter. Um, and then Kevin Love entered off the bench for Cleveland. Um, he's having a very good year for them off the bench, actually. And he was very good, especially in this four-minute stretch where he had 11 points in four minutes. Um, he was just getting – Hawks lost him on a couple of threes, but he was making some, some tough shots, too. He was just playing very well. Um, and then – Hawks do get a nice bucket from a Kongwu from a good Lou Williams pass to get the deficit down to two after the first quarter. Um, Cavs led 36 to 34 after the first quarter. Not a great defense quarter, obviously, but the offense kept them in this game. That was kind of the story of this one, really. Um, the defense did get better throughout the game. Um, Garland did a lot of his damage here in the first quarter, him and Kevin Love, and the Hawks were kind of able to uh, right the ship in the last three quarters and be at least competent enough on defense for them to win this game. Uh, so move on to the second quarter now, and the Hawks start the second on an 8-0, 8-1 run rather to lead the game by 5, but then the Cavs go on a 12-2 run, but the Hawks quickly regain momentum with some buckets from Trey, and uh, they were able to get up 66-61 to at the half. Um, Trey and Gallo were both very good in the first half, and Garland um, had a good half as well for Cleveland as uh, the offense was definitely on display in the first. Um, but the Hawks, like I said, only gave up 25 points in the second, which is a pretty big improvement over the 36 in the first quarter. So it was a good, it was a good solid all-around second quarter, I'd say. And uh, Trey Young just continued to be terrific in this one, and uh, Gallo was getting buckets too. Um, so we'll move on to third quarter now, and the Cavaliers going a 16-6 run to start the quarter. This was... Um, as you can kind of see the theme here, it was kind of a game of runs. They're just trading runs back and forth with each other. The two teams were, um, but the Cavs started the third in a 16 to six run. Um, but Gallo hit a three to kind of end that, and the Hawks were able to respond with a run of their own, um, an 11 to two run. And Hawks actually lost this quarter by a point, so they were leading by four, heading in to the fourth quarter, and uh, Hawks were able to survive the first five minutes of the fourth quarter without Trey. They were actually plus one in that time, which is a huge win, especially with uh, the way Trey was playing in this game because you knew when he came back into this game that it was, a, it was a good chance that the Hawks could put it to bed, and that is what they did. <clears throat> um, the Hawks get back-to-back threes to give them a nine-point lead. It was their biggest of the night with 450 remaining. And um, it obviously wasn't over at that point, but when uh, looking back, and um, just seeing how the rest of the game went, that was kind of the dagger. I know that's a very early dagger with about five minutes left, but the Cavs really didn't make a super hard push 
for the rest of the game and the Hawks just kind of took it away and were able to hold on and get a very 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 nice victory over the Cavs. Trey had 41 points. Hawks end up winning by 8, 124 to 116. Um, we'll get into the stats now. Um, we'll start off with the Cavs because they did have some very good offensive performers. Like I said, Darius Garland, um, he's been great all year. He was good in this game. 30 points, uh, two rebounds, and eight assists for him. He shot the ball very well, 54% per- from the field and 40% from three. He was great. Kevin Love, like I said, he was awesome. 21 points for him. Evan Mobley, one of the rookie of the year contenders, had 22 points. So the Cavs were solid on offense overall in this game. Um, they shot 39% from three and 51.1% from the field, which is very solid. But um, the Hawks were able to really, really limit them enough in the last few quarters. I don't want to say like all of this is uh, their first quarter. It's not. Um, but that was their best offensive quarter, and they were just kind of scalding hot in the first quarter. But um, they're still good on offense in this game. But the real story of this game was the Hawks offense. And they just really played to their full capabilities against this Cleveland team, who is a top five in the NBA in defensive rating. So this is not uh, any pushover team. These aren't the Cavs of old. These are new Cavs, and they are very good this year. They're one of the top teams in the East. And the Hawks just really flexed their muscles offensively. Uh, Trey, like I said, he had 41 points on nine assists, shot 59% from the field and 57% from three, which is uh, quite good. Um, he also got to the line 13 times, made 11 of them, so he was just absolutely outstanding. Uh, Daniel Gallinari was great in this game too, 25 points, made eight of his 17 shots, three of seven from three. He was solid. DeAndre Hunter had a good game, um, 18 points on seven of 12 shooting. Um, two of six from three, he was very good in this game, and he did a solid job on Darius Garland throughout, I think. Even though Garland had a good game and was very good early on, he definitely cooled off the last three quarters, and I think a big part of that was Hunter being on him. Uh, Kevin Herter at 13, he was solid. Um, Capella only had five, but he was. Uh, I thought he was still pretty good in this game defensively. Um, he had seven rebounds, so I think he was solid. And then Bogey had 10. wasn't the greatest Bogey game, but still contributed enough, had seven rebounds, three assists, four steals for Bogey too, which is uh, good because his defense uh, at the start of this year was very, very bad, and um, it has gotten definitely definitely gotten better since he's returned from injury. So, yeah, just a very good win for the Hawks, one of their best offensive performances of the entire year um, when you take into account the defense they were facing. Um, they shot 53.7% from the field. They shot 42.4% from three. They, sh- they got to the line 27 times and made 24 of them, which is very, very good. A lot of taking that many free throws is always good, and making a very large percentage is good, and that kind of goes without saying. But, yeah, this was a very, very impressive win for the Hawks. Uh, we will now move on to the final game before the All-Star break, and uh, this was kind of a bit of a trap game. It's um, kind of hard to say that because they were playing the Orlando Magic, but... It's the last game before the All-Star break. It's on a back-to-back, and the Hawks were on the road for this one. So it could have been kind of a, I don't want to say letdown spot, but one that could be a little bit tricky for the Hawks because the Magic did have the day off before and didn't have to travel and all that stuff. So Magic are terrible, and the Hawks should have won this game, and they did. But it, it just going into this game, it seemed like it could have been a tr- somewhat tricky spot for Atlanta. But uh, they... They did not let that be a tricky spot at all for them. They were terrific in this game. They won 130 to 109. 
scored 37 points in the first quarter, 35 in the second, 32 in the third. And um, by the time we got to the fourth quarter, the game was over. Um, the Hawks led by <clears throat> 22 points heading into the fourth. So really the starters were just kind of out of this game. Um, like Minutes were very limited. Trey like, only played, for example, 25 minutes. But he had 22 points and six assists. Um, Bogey had 23 points. He was great in this game. Akangu had 12 off the bench. DeLon Wright actually had 10 points, which um, is good for him to get double figures. He had six rebounds also. DeLon Wright's good. Um, 14 for Hunter, 15 for Herter, 11 for Gallo. Just a very, very good um, team effort all the way around on offense as they had seven guys in double figures, which is always a good thing. And then you got Glue had like nine points, so... Very, very evenly distributed game. They shot the ball very well, especially from three. 18 of 33 from um, behind the arc in this game for the Hawks. 55%. That is very, very good. And, uh, yeah, there's not a ton to say about this game, which is kind of a blowout. A game the Hawks needed to win, and they did win it. So that put them at 28 and 30 heading into the break. Uh, two back-to-back wins going into the break, which is uh, very, very good for them. They really needed that. And now we will look at the standings to wrap up the show, and then I'll give you some more underlying thoughts on the rest of the season and all the games that they have coming up. Um, right now, the Hawks are in 10th by themselves. They're actually tied for 9th with the Hornets. Um, they're both 9.5 games out of the 1 seed, which is not that many, but not expecting them to make a run there. Um, teams ahead of them, like I said, they're tied with Charlotte. Brooklyn is a game and a half ahead of them, or two and a half games ahead of them, rather. And Toronto is four and a half games ahead of them for the seventh spot. And the Celtics are five games ahead for the sixth seed. So definitely an uphill battle to get into, um, get out of the play-in. But I think the more realistic goal for the Hawks would be to grab a seven or eight spot in the play-in to try to avoid being a, a one-and-done candidate. Um, that that would be where my focus would be. Obviously, if you get the sixth seed, that's fantastic, and that would be huge for the Hawks. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't know about that. It's going to be tough. Five games is tough, especially when you have to jump. Um, if you count Brooklyn or if you count Charlotte, it's four teams, which is uh, tough to do because it's going to require them kind of falling apart, which, I mean, I guess isn't impossible. I mean, the Celtics are – really good right now they're really hot they're nine and one their last 10 they just had their win streak broken the other day so they've been very good um the raptors are playing very well but the nets and the hornets are not the hornets are one and nine in their last 10 and brooklyn is two and eight in their last 10 and they're still without kd and hornets just can't play defense so yeah it's um i think those two are definitely you know realistic of you can hop those two teams but Toronto and Boston are both very good. Or not, I wouldn't say very good, but they're very solid. I'll say that. They're good basketball teams, and they're gonna be, it's going to be tough for them to fall apart. And the Hawks, they really haven't proven that they can go on um, some huge run this, this season and you know make up all this ground in the standings. I mean, I think they're definitely capable of it, but they haven't proven it to this point. So we'll just have to see how that turns out. Uh, so now we'll look ahead at their schedule for next week, see what kind of games they got coming up. Uh, they don't play till Thursday, so only two games this week, one on Thursday and one on Saturday, and they are both pretty tough. Um, they got to go and face Chicago on the road on Thursday, and Chicago currently is the two seed. They're actually tied for the one seed with Miami, so tied for the best record in the East. They've been very good this year, and then they have a very, very big game, in my opinion, 
against Toronto on Saturday at home. Um, this is a big one because they're one of the teams that you are trying to jump, and uh, getting a head-to-head victory against them would be very important. Uh, they are both very good teams, so it is, uh, it's going to be a tough two games. The Hawks, their, the rest of their schedule overall is not tough, but out of the gate, they, um, they, play, they play against the Bulls again, I believe, and against the Raptors too um, next week. So, yeah, definitely not an easy start to the second half of the season or after the All-Star break, um, but things do lighten up after that, and they do have a pretty favorable schedule the rest of the way. Uh, so definitely they have, they have opportunities to make up ground for sure. Um, I still think they're at least going to be in the play-in tournament. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's going to be tough to get that sixth seed, and it's still it's going to be not not as tough, but pretty difficult to get into the seven or eight at this point as well. But they got 24 games left, and a lot can happen in those games. So we'll see if they can do it, see if they can make a run here. That would be fantastic. So that'll do it for this episode. If you made it this far listening, I really, really appreciate it, and I will see you in the next one. 